Hello my friends, Nigel here and welcome to Backable, the podcast where we explore the top performance habits in both business and life. We live in a time of business celebrities. Society has created a picture of what success looks, sounds and acts like, and many SME owners take on these attributes during their own journey. But what if this is the thing that's holding you back? What if letting out that little inner weirdo that many of us keep hidden is actually the key to achieving success in both your business and your life? There comes a point when you're growing your company that you start to get some self-actualization. And for those who don't know what the hell we're talking about, it means you start to realize who you are as an adult. You start to realize what you're about, what you care about, what you don't care about, who you are as a person, and what's really never going to change in this life. And I'm not talking about self-improvement or an ability not to be able to change or get better at doing things. But at some stage, you're going to realize what you're all about. And it's a really important stage, particularly when you're growing your company, because once you understand who you are, what are your non-negotiables, where you're great, where you have a superpower, and where you're horrible, you can start to see all the pieces together and go, great, now how do I formulate the additional help I need in order to get my life and my business to where I want to go, whereas my ambition obviously is. And Lana, Nigel, nice to see you today as always, but this is an important subject, this whole idea of self-actualization and embracing who you really are because a lot of people, I believe, try to be someone that reflects the type of success they might aspire to. But even trying to be that person is actually holding you back from what you could become. And this sounds a little airy-fairy and I promise it won't head down this because I'm quite pragmatic around this, but you have to embrace your inner weirdo, right? You have to know who you are. Who's your inner weirdo? Oh, I'm a freak. Like <laughs> uh, if, if people spent any time in my head, they would. Uh, I think I'd get a pat on the back because they would probably think that you, how do you get anything done, right? It's just that constant voices, constant battles, constant thinking, the constant, like as Lana used to say when we began dating, you, you can't sit in a restaurant and not sit there and start calculating dollars per minute based on waiters' inefficiencies on asking for secondary coffees and things like that. My mind is wired to optimization, I think. It's probably why I did a logistics degree, by the way, but my inner we know is, is definitely around seeking out underperformance and seeing where performance could be better. But it wasn't always that way in terms of looking at that as a superpower. Mm. That used to be the thing that you thought was a negative, but you found a way to turn that into a positive. Yeah, because you start to think, well, that's not really making me much money. <laughs> yeah, so good start. Well, well, let's find something. <laughs> let's find something that's more profitable. But it's not. And this is the point. It's understanding where we can use our skills and where we can really understand what we find easy. Because I think a lot of the time people have skills in life that they find easy, so they don't think it's a rare commodity because it's so easy to, to see something. They go, well, that, that can't be special because it's too easy. And I, I remember that being a major issue of mine, which is why don't people see how easy that problem is to solve? Oh, 
it just must be because they've already solved it, not actually that they're struggling with it. So I'm like, well, there's no value there because it's just too easy. You would say something that was so obvious and people are like, oh, thank you. That's awesome. Run off and do it. Make a lot of money or you know, transform their business. And you're like, but that was so easy. Like, oh, all right, wait a minute. That's just because that's how I feel to the world. That's one of my strengths. But it's the same with you, right, Lana? You, your major superpower is executing things, right? Moving things forward. Not your only one. But what's simple for you is very difficult for others. Like that's where you're a complete weirdo. Thank you. Take that as a compliment. <laughs> you should. Definitely a my inner weirdo is moving things forward, but also to my detriment, I would be the Scotty Pippen. Of life. I have no interest in being that leader. Do you feel underpaid? Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It all worked out in the environment, don't worry. I have no interest in being the leader. I have no interest in being that person out the front, possibly to my detriment. But if you put me in that second tier, being able to support the leaders, that's my authentic self or whatever it might be because I can perform really, really well at that level. I can perform well at a leadership level out the front, I just don't like it. Yeah, and that's, that's probably the interesting part of this type of conversation is embracing what's easy for you. So I think a lot of the um, rhetoric around is you should dive into the, your weaknesses, you should fix your weaknesses, you can push through, you can hustle till it breaks. But there's also another school of thought, which is if you know what feels right and easy, how do you maximize those skills? So you could do everything else. But you're going to get a hell of a lot more done by doing the things that are easy and that you can accelerate because it's not easy and being lazy. It's easy and mastering that, that skill set you have. Whereas if you've got no ambition to be out front, take that leadership role, do those sort of roles and responsibilities, why would you? Well, this is now where we talk about a startup versus an established because when you're a startup, you have to do it all. And no matter how much you think that you should, play in your own field. You can't because you probably can't afford it. So you do need to bring your skills to the table to get it done. Yeah. Let's define startup first because there's different types of startups. No money. Yeah. So if you're a no, if you're sorry, no money is the bad way of saying it, I think. (laughs) When you're (laughs) self-funded. The truth hurts. Which means, yeah, you got no money, but you're self-funding in inverted commas versus a startup that might be funded. So you've gathered some money together, whether it be whatever business and your job is to perform and you've got a certain period of time. But when you don't have that, you don't have the resources to invest in fixing or filling the gaps in which you are weak. So generally, a lot of SMEs have this problem, which is jack of all trades for the first few years because if it doesn't get done by you, it ain't getting done. Yeah. And so when you have your self-funded business, you have to get your hands dirty. You have to do stuff that you might not be good at. And to be honest, if your ego's there and you say, well, I'm, that's not my skill set, I shouldn't have to do it, you're going to have a pretty rough ride. It's also a really great way, in my opinion, to figure out what you're really good at and what you're really bad at. Some things that I used to think I was terrible at finance, turns out my pedantic nature makes me really good at finance. Yeah, it's understanding that mechanism. So it wasn't because you were, had a weakness there, it's no one had taken you through that skill set or enough practice in that skill set to be great at it. I was never exposed to it. Now, would I say that I'm the best at it? Absolutely not. But I now know enough that I can do what I'm good at, which is execution and supporting those around me. And it's a 
it's a bit of a dichotomy that comes in for business as you start to grow and get to the next level. When do you let go of what you're not good at so that you can thrive in what you are good at and what's your authentic self? That's the challenge, isn't it? Particularly for SMEs and a lot of clients that we've worked with in the past, they start under-resourced, so they're a jack of all trades, but there's no plan to remove themselves from poor tasks. So what the biggest challenge a lot of SMEs face is they don't know any different way than doing everything themselves and they'll never grow because unless you start outsourcing some of the tasks, some of the jobs, some of the roles, you're actually not growing at all. So this is a very important lesson for businesses growing and it's not just SMEs, by the way, it's at any different juncture in your business growth and development. So even when you get to a significant size, you might need to bring in people that might be much better at finance, much better at systems, processes, much better at operational efficiencies. But you have to continue to keep letting that go because you need to work out what's your superpower. And if you've got to that point where your business is at a certain size, potentially your superpower is seeing the matrix. It's understanding your industry. It's knowing the opportunity. It's knowing what your clients value. So you have to ask yourself, how do I do more of that? That's not an easy job because a lot of people out there would be listening now and going, but that's not a real job. Like if all I'm doing is sort of knowing what the business has to do and go, no, that's absolutely a job. That's a senior job. That's, it's not even the CEO role. Because you might bring in a CEO that executes what you want to do, but that's part of the entrepreneurial journey is understanding that the way you see the world is unique. Now, if we can get people around you that can commercialize that, you become a very strong business. And it's something that as you grow, and a really just simple example of this for people listening is you might start off your business and you only have an accountant to do your BAS, that you do your wages and you do your reconciliation. Yeah, so for those listening internationally, that's your local taxation. And then as you get bigger, you bring in a bookkeeper to do it weekly. And then as you get bigger, you bring in a CFO. And so it's while you start off doing everything, you have to let the ego go of there are people who are better than me at this. What do I need next? And it's something, Tim, that you're quite good at is what I'm not good at, I get people to report to me on. So you don't really care about the finance nitty gritty. You care about that report at the end of the week of what, what's happening, what it looks like. And then that's where your authentic self comes into it because you can see the matrix. Yeah, I reckon I've got a good bullshit meter. So a lot of people who are so-called experts in their field, I feel good that I can pick holes in the crap that I'm told. Now, that was early on. That was a problem, right? Because when you've got lower level people and skill sets that are reporting to you, you realize that you see a lot more than they do in their profession. But as you start to evolve and you get highly talented people, then you have less of, hey, that's an error and more of, great, what does it mean and how do we optimize it? And that's the transition you'll go through in your business. But if we looked at that as your general life as well, the same thing happens. A lot of people who are struggling to get where they want in life are surrounded by low-level consultants, low-level abilities, and they're never going to push through. You actually have to look around and go, what part of my life isn't working and how do I upgrade that? And this is an important thing because you have to be a little brutal with it. So even if someone's nice, doesn't mean they're the right person for that role or that part of your life. Let's use a silly example. I don't like my dentist. Great. 
why don't you like them? It always hurts. They never tell me what's happening. I never understand their billing. I never understand anything about it. Great. Why do you use them? Oh, because our family's been using them for 10 years. Who cares? It's the cycle. And the same thing is with your business, which is what part of your business isn't working now? Who's responsible? Clear the decks if that's what's required. Or if they're talented, then why aren't we getting the best out of their talent? How do I remove that as a manager, as a leader, whatever it is? But this is the key things. What we're talking about, though, is how do you do that? Because everyone's different, right, Lana? Like your approach and my approach are vastly different. You've got a phrase, a little less Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Let's approach this with a little less Tim, which obviously, as soon as I hear that, I'm going to be more Tim. More Tim, yeah. But this is the point, right, is you have to be who you are and your team will build around that. I think the sad reality is that really the only way to get to this point where you're happy to let go or take more on is to experience the pain that comes with not letting go. That pain of, I can do everything, taking on everyone else's jobs, everyone else's stress, and seeing that you actually don't get the best result because you're not the best at it. And it's the pain that comes with experience through time, really. And if you don't have that experience, in my personal opinion, you're not going to be the best leader because you don't know what other people are going through. So you could ask uh, too much or too little of them, as opposed to understanding how the cards fall and being able to help them to do their thing. I agree. And I, I think if we look at this from a slightly different level, what we're really talking about is who are you and how do you approach life? And you actually have to realize that you are a very, very unique person. And I think where a lot of unhappiness and, to be frank, poor performance happens in both business and life is because people are trying to fit in with their communities. They're trying to fit in with their friends. They're trying to fit into the general norm. And this is the problem. We've been using this phase for a while, and I really like it, which is nothing remarkable happens in the majority. And it's not because remarkable things don't come out of the majority. It means, like we see it all the time, don't we, Lana, is um, other couples or other you know, friends or other people we know in business, they're trying to do the things that others are doing because that's right. But then you ask them, but why are you doing anything like everyone else? Why are you aiming for a goal of people or businesses that don't have what you want? And you're trying to replicate the same thing. So, Nigel, even we see it a lot in networking groups that we've been involved with or had relationships with, everyone's doing the same thing and wondering why everyone's in the same struggle because you're all doing the wrong thing. You're all doing the same thing as everyone else and getting exactly the same results. You're not actually trying to be a weirdo. You're dulling that voice out. And I think the point is that you're doing the wrong thing for you. So Mm. you might look at it and say, Steve Jobs was this amazing leader, so I'm going to go and be mean to everyone or whatever people think he did, you're not being your true self. You're saying that to me, success is a person, a man, a woman who acts like this. So that's how I'm going to behave. When in actual fact, that might not be your skill set. Not everyone can be the leader. Not everyone can be the wealthy CEO. If that's not where your strength is, if that's not where your authenticity is, why are you trying to be that? That's not success. That was success for another person. And it's not where your weirdo will come from. 
this is the point is you will never be a Steve Jobs. You will never be uh, Elon Musk. You will never be a Mother Teresa. It doesn't matter what it is that you look at and you admire. You're never going to be that. You're not that. That is a combination of every one of their experiences in life. That is the combination of how they see the world. That is about a million decisions that they make every single day that made them who they are. You need to do you. And you need to find that authentic way in which you can best get the most out of your skill set. And it doesn't mean you're less or more. But if you're, as soon as you try to be someone else, you're already failing, right? Because you just, you're already going to be number two in that. So you will never be number one in anything if you're trying to be someone else. So this is the whole point. I mean, we have some routines and I, I still laugh now because I still get a lot of crap, which is you need more sleep. Why? Oh, because the studies tell you you need this much sleep. But I feel awake. I feel energized. I feel like I get a lot out. I feel like I'm accomplishing a lot and I'm not falling asleep in the middle of the day. I actually feel good. Oh, no, no, no. You don't understand. The scientific thing shows blah, 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 blah. And this is how much every human needs. Yeah, but I'm not every human. I'm Tim. I know what Tim needs right now. And if I need more or something's not working, I'll make the adjustments where others will tell me, oh, you don't understand, there's a study, you should be doing that. They're putting this on me and I go, wait a minute, you don't seem healthier than me. You don't seem more awake. You don't seem more successful. Why would I follow you because of an opinion you're reading about something else? That's one part of it. But people think we're mad, Lana, because we work long hours, but we're at the gym at you know, 5.30 every morning. They go, but that's bad. You need more rest. Based on who? So we look like we're burning the candle at both ends, so to speak, but we actually know what keeps us energized, keeps us moving, does the things that make us work. And so we're very strong on who we are as individuals and together. And I know through COVID, we had quite a few messages of people saying, how the hell do you two work together by choice? Because yeah. for the first time they experienced working with their partner in close proximity. We've been doing this for 11 years. About that. And we've experienced what happens when we don't work together and we've experienced what happens when we do work together. And we know that the result is be a weirdo and like to work with your partner because you get better results. For us. For others, for us. it should be the complete opposite. <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's this idea of anyone here who's thinking, I want to sell my business, that's, that's my end goal. Question why? Because if you can make even more residual income coming in from your business by having it run by itself without having to sell it, shouldn't that be what you want to do? But a lot of the time we hear that someone sold their business for $45 million. Well, if that's the case, yes, because you probably won't make $45 million residual income. But Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but we're told that that's what success is, that if I sell my business, I'm successful. Yeah, so business owners, the only goal I've got is to build up my asset and sell, which is obviously we're very pro. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we love that. But take a second and think, you know, you're in a weirdo, what you're good at. Could your business actually be worth more to you if you kept it? Yeah. Put it in the right systems, put it in the right structures, put it in the right people. But, but what you've heard and what you've seen is that if I sell my business, I'm successful. And it's just another external version of just because everyone else has said that success, that doesn't mean it's success for you. I agree with that totally because we know a few people who are quite wealthy and they own simple businesses, not simple as in the way they run, but they might be more traditional type businesses, but they've done really well. Now, what they've done is never invest in their business. What they've done is 
grow it organically over 10 years, but they've taken money out and used that money for investments. And the fullness of time, the fullness of investment, they've got enough to where those investments are now starting to contribute to their residual or passive income streams. So they're very successful, financially successful. But if you went to ask them how to grow a business, they've got no idea. And it doesn't mean they're good business owners. It's understanding, they've understand their, their skill, which is we can make our core trade or our core skill into a cash cow. Now, because we're not ever going to grow a really big business, what do we do with that excess cash? Let's get really good at working out how to make money work for us. And that's a fine business, by the way. That's potentially a lot of self-employed people. That's a great way to do it. I'm going to make this much money. I'm going to spend this much on my living. And the rest I'm going to put into investments of some sort. And by the time I'm whatever age, I'm going to have a really good life. That, there's nothing wrong with that. But that is embracing knowing who you are. You don't have to grow the biggest business in the world. You actually don't even have to have a business. For all our listeners out there that might be working for someone and have ambition to start their own business, before you begin your business, use your income that you're earning from someone. This is great income. You actually go there, you've got a bit of structure around you, just get more discipline on how you can use that income now to start the investment process or start doing things that are proactive, start saving to start that business or finding investments. Every single way works. The more I'm getting older, I realize everything works. I don't know one thing that doesn't work. You might make some mistakes on the way, but every strategy can get you to where you want to go. There's many ways up the hill, right? But that would be your inner weirdo. Everything works because you don't stop. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I th- and I think it's important for people listening to this because we can talk nice, big, airy, fairy, find your authentic self, self-actualization, be your inner weirdo. But how do we actually find that inner weirdo? How do we actually find what we're good at and build it to a point where we can let go of everything else? For me, I think we've got to think about the first thing that we've got to understand that we've been brainwashed. So you actually have to accept that you have been brainwashed by everyone in your life and not purposefully for any way of doing it to hold you back. But schools set the standard of what a good student is based on academic results. I mean, the ridiculousness of that whole idea, right? Now, why do they do it? Because it's hard to manage a mass population, right? There has to be some structure, but it doesn't mean people who are great academically at school are the smartest people. They're just smarter. Did I just say academically? Like, <laughs> yes. As you can see, it's uh, not probably one of my skill sets. But it's understanding that the system's set up to produce a result, to constantly produce a result of we put students in here, this is where they come out, we've got some sort of scoreboard so we can start to work out where everyone should fit. That is not an indication of financial success different types of smarts or anything like that. That's just school, let alone kindergarten, let alone society as a whole of what's valued and what's not. If school was based on who was the best contributor at school camp, there might be a completely different way of looking at it. Now, it's not because it's built to bring people through society. Then you go traditionally to other university or a trade, but a university is a great place to build people to get jobs so society can keep running, right? We've been conditioned to try and fit into the majority, to fit to a system, but it doesn't allow for others who may think that they are not at a standard or not a high achiever in those structures. doesn't mean you're not freaking amazing. 
at something. That's why you actually have to re-unlearn all this crap. I love education. I am so pro-education. I reckon I've become more pro-education since being horrible at education right now that I understand what it can be as long as it's something that fits with who you are and wanting to master a skill. This is not anti-school. This is about how do we as now adults who are running companies or trying to get to places in their life realize that everything works. I have to understand what works best for me and I have to double down on that. I have to work out how to use that skill set to get me where I want to go. So here's the thing. You've decided I'm going to start listening to the voices in my head, the positive ones, by the way. And there's going to be this whole idea of your brain is going to try and stop you from changing because you will start to do things a little different to everyone else. So these huge voices in your head will come up, which is, this is different. This is different. This is not the same as everyone because the brain's trying to filter for being the same as everyone. So as soon as you start doing actions consistently or thinking a different way, you start going, why am I the only one who sees it like this? Why you know, should I be doing this? Am I, am I losing my mind, so to speak? But you've got to understand that the fear or your brain is there to protect you, isn't it, Lana? It's, it's taking those steps that are different, but you should feel like something's not right because it is the brain trying to stop you from going into the unknown. It's just a basic protection mechanism. So you just mean getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, that sort of idea of is going to feel weird. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, at some stage when you sort of get this, you'll, you'll feel most comfortable when things are uncomfortable, as in you know, because you know it's growth. So you actually go, why am I so afraid? Why am I always feeling like I don't know the next step? Because you're growing. And this is the, the whole idea of people who get worried in their businesses about why does it always feel so hard? It's because you're constantly growing. If it feels hard because it's the same problem every day, well, you're not growing. You're basically not acknowledging what you have to do. But this is that whole idea of what are you prepared to do in order to mix it up in your life? So if you feel like you're in a rut or you feel like things could be different, what are you actually prepared to do? And you don't have to be ridiculous, by the way. You don't have to throw out everything you've done up to this point in your life. But it's where's the challenge right now for you to see what happens if so I love that in my brain. I'm like, what would happen if I said this right now? Is there a time when you don't say what's in your head? <laughs> no, I, like I actually, I, I find most enjoyment in the awkwardness because it changes the whole a conversation. It changes the way people think about things. It changes the way people respond to me. And I think that's where the most truth comes out when you actually ask what everyone's thinking. And so then as someone who seeks out the uncomfortable in every situation. Um, hey, would you like to say something? Nope. Um, when in your life, when did you start to, because it's probably why you don't sleep, when did you start to seek that out? When did you realize that if you're not anxious and stressed, then you don't feel progression? I think personally for me, I get really bored of predictability and things that you see already 20 steps ahead of where this conversation is going, like small chat or, you know, whatever you, whatever you call that, when people are just doing the niceties at catching up at parties that you're really not friends, but you're cordial and you'll, 
you'll talk, but it's just boring, right? Because you don't really care. They don't really care about you, but you're doing the social thing. Like I find that difficult because it's not leading anywhere. So I'd rather be in an interesting conversation or I'd rather see what happens if. For me, I, I struggle. And I think that's probably why I'm more suited to an entrepreneurial lifestyle because I only find the interest in the unknown of what would happen if and if we tried this, if we said this, if we did this. To me, that's where the excitement is of things moving, where I think others particularly like predictability and they feel comfortable when they know what's going to happen every day. That structure makes them feel secure in life. But do you honestly, though, not believe that you know what's going to come next? So when you say unpredictable, you're pretty certain that you know what's going to come next, even though it's unpredictable. Well, I think on every level, we always think we know what's coming, but we want to see if. Mm. So it's, I think it's like gambling, right? <laughs> you see it one way, you go, I'm going to bet on that being right. It's seeing the way the world is and then almost trying to prove it to yourself. Yeah. So I think that's what I'm getting at. So you, you used to play football. You would have been fairly certain on the footy field that a ball gets kicked somewhere and you, while it's uncertain, you kind of know what's going to happen. You can preempt what will happen in the play. For you in business, it's quite the same. So as much as you say, I'm uncomfortable or I like unpredictability, how you operate is, even though it's unpredictable, you've got enough confidence. Yeah, No, you want to get there first. You see it <laughs> and you go, I'm going to be there before anyone else. Raising the stakes, betting on yourself to get the thing that you think is going to happen. Yeah, but I guess the point of all this is not, you know, obviously not how I, I live my life because that's not necessarily the way that people should. And it's also at this point in time, we're on a trajectory at the moment, not at the pinnacle. And I don't know if there'll ever be that type of pinnacle. What we're talking about is I know what makes me feel most happy, which is I think something would happen and I'm prepared to see what's happened by doing the work. So if I, as soon as I get an idea, like we've, we're working on something at the moment, and in my brain, it's like there's nothing else I can think about. We're close to Christmas time and I just wake up and go, holy moly, we have to, I have to get some stuff organized for my social thing. I guess my family's going to want presents. I, you know, Lana probably wants something. She doesn't want anything, but it's nice to give her something. But I've been in – my brain has not left this idea for the last three, four weeks and it's all night, all day thinking about how to get it going because you see what you want to do. It's obsessive with that sort of thing but that's the way i see the world and the things i enjoy and you know I, my friends would probably say the same thing is yeah tim's not the best friend in the world because as soon as he gets his mind in something he goes missing like you just won't see him for months or you won't see him for he's not a good friend in the traditional sense of are you available to have dinner i sent you a text three weeks ago type thing i'm terrible at that when i'm engaged in something whereas other people need to work out what that is for them. And I think you bring up a very good point of finding your inner weirdo, going in your self-actualization. You need to have partners, whether they're life partners, work partners, friendship partners, who get that about you. Because you can't be your full weirdo if you want to have everything else. Because you do cut stuff off. You've got friends who are very understanding. They also now come through me to contact you. But it's outsourced. <laughs> but it's a really good understanding, just like when you get really excited about projects you're working on and you come out and tell me how excited you are at 1 a.m., I do not care. I don't know why you're asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it is an interesting thing that in business and personal, 
to be that weirdo, you do cut off other elements. Yeah, there is a level of obsessiveness around it. I read an article by, I think it was an interview by Charles Barkley, the ex-NBA player, and he was talking about he's got a friendship with Tiger Woods. And he said in the, the beginning of their friendship, he really struggled with it because he used to text him three or four days before Tiger was in a golfing event and would get no response and they were close friends. It was getting, you'd get angry at it. And then eventually he confronted him with it and he goes, what, I'm at work. I don't, for that, that week, there's nothing I'm thinking about but golf. And everyone gets cut off. And as soon as he understood that, he's like, right, this guy's just obsessed with it. And it wasn't a, because I don't value your friendship or I only use you at different times. It was literally, this is how I live my life. Now, when people understand who you are, that's okay because it's, they want to be friends with the standard you live your life with and this is how it is, that's fine. And I'm lucky enough you know, with some of my close friends is they accept that for who I am now. We're all old enough to realize no one's going to change, right? But it doesn't mean you don't contribute to relationships in the way that you contribute to them, but it's important to understand who you are and who others are because also then you don't get angry when they're not meeting standards that you think they should be. So a family member should do this for you. Why? A family member should do this. I remember having a very interesting conversation once with my family about something. They were, they were needing some help to do something. I said, I literally don't have the time to come and contribute as a good family member, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll hire a couple of subcontractors to help to get the job done. And we had this massive debate, but that's not right. You're a part of the family. You should come and do that. I go, yeah, but it's at the cost of what I need to do in my company at the time. Well, it's not about the money. It's not about sending people. And I'm like, well, are you asking because you want to spend time with me or are you asking because you want the job done? So for me, my brain goes, you've got a job, do it. If you want to hang out, let's go to a restaurant. Let's go and hang out at home. They connect over doing work together and contributing, which it was a good lesson for me, which is, all oh, right, so she's got nothing to do with the work, just needs to look like we're working. I'm not a very good hands-on worker anyway, to be honest with you. <laughs> very soft hands. But it's the point of understanding where people are coming from and what that is. And you have to understand that in your own business and your own life. Who are you? How do you live your life? And then how do I make sure that I'm true to the way I am? Because as soon as you start not being who you are, everything becomes hard. You've had that same thing. Lana, Nigel, you've had the same thing as well. Like, as soon as you try and be something you're not, it doesn't work. On the, it's, as people are taking the journey forward, that modelling of other people and success, do, is that, in your opinion, a necessary step in the process? Me personally, I like to find people that I look up to but not aspire to be because everyone is flawed in some way. And if you try to be, if you, I try to be Sheryl Sandberg, COO of Facebook, She's phenomenal, but there's things in her life that I cannot do because I don't agree with them morally. So I find different people, different genders, different religions, different ethnicities of who I would like to be certain parts of them. And then you learn how they got there. And that's how I personally do it because it means that I can still be myself, but I kind of shortcut. So you create an avatar of multiple people taking the elements that are closest to your closest to things that I would agree with because I don't think that you can look at one person and agree with them wholeheartedly because everyone is flawed, as I said. So that's how I would personally do it. I believe Tim would have a different point of view. No, I like to see all different people and see their behaviours and I like to see 
what they're doing or the way they've approached situation. I go, I want to try on that. I wonder if I behave like that, how that would affect me. It's not about if you're stupid enough to see someone that you want to be like and if you want to be exactly like them, would you take everything that they've achieved? Because that's the pathway to be them, which is every experience and everything they've had. So some people say, oh, I just want to be like that person. Yeah, but that massive tragedy happened to them. No, I wouldn't want that part. And I go, well, what do you mean? That's the combination of everything that happened to that person. And I think when you read great books or you hear great interviews or you see people that perform in a certain way or you hear their thoughts on it, it challenges who you are and go, well, wait a minute, that makes sense to me. I might try it. I wonder how that works in my combination of who I am. I wonder what my adaption of that is. I think where people get it wrong, particularly in, um, in businesses and growth, when they're inexperienced, they try and put their adaption on it even before they've tried something in a way that it's worked and they try and change the fundamentals before they've even tried the fundamentals. It's like um, you know, in investing, I'm going to start investing in shares. So they get all their money and put it into one stock their friend told them. Now they're a share investor. They lose all their money and wonder why. Oh, because I want to be like Warren Buffett. Well, you're not Warren Buffett and you're not the 50 years prior to him making these moves of every experience he's had from setting up lemonade stands to doing that. You have to understand that the whole world's designed for you to win. Now, what are the parts that are coming into me that, that I can see or have I noticed and how do I apply that to who I am? How do I be uniquely who I am and how do I keep amplifying the things that give me an advantage? Most people never amplify what their key skill is and then they wonder why things are hard because they're never actually doing the thing that's going to give them an advantage. They're doing the thing that they believe they should be doing in the outside world and we see this a lot in our businesses. People come in and they want to be the big hitter. They want to be the big guy but as they get in and they start to find that to sit in the role that they're in actually means that they can do more, be more and achieve more it just doesn't have the title with it. And that's when I see them all calm down quite a bit because they get excited of this is actually who I am. I don't have to pretend to be something else. Absolutely. I mean, Nigel and I used to laugh years ago when we were in the fitness business where it's like, let's be honest, if we looked at this from an outsider, you would never listen to a personal trainer because we've got an obesity epidemic. So everyone in that industry has failed, right? So it would make sense to listen to someone who's a professional in that industry. Yeah. But 99 of the people are actually part of the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and so it happens all the time. It's like people who give advice on relationships. Why? Unless they've got the relationship you want, you want to take some of those key elements out of it. But that's also a relationship based on those two people and their, their shared goals, the behaviors in that relationship. Like I'm sure Alana and I, our relationship right now, would send nine out of 10 people into divorce. I'm positive of it. I think if people sat and watched us and we did a big brother type thing with cameras in our house, some of the behaviors we have, people would say, these guys are on the rocks. Now, I hope we're not. This would be a weird podcast if we're. <laughs> but <laughs> Time capsule. Flag but, this one. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting to see that. And this is the point about this self-actualization, knowing who you are, knowing the things that make you happy, knowing the things that work for you but might not work for anyone else on this planet. But as soon as you have that belief in who you are and the way you see the world and understand that is absolutely good enough. You don't need to be anyone else. You need to keep doubling down and work out who you are at a core and 
realize that as soon as you do that, the whole world's rigged for you to win. Things start to happen. You don't have to be anyone else. And this is that whole point, as we say, you have to be your inner weirdo. Everyone is a complete weirdo. We've all got these masks on. And as soon as you can work out how to be authentic and people will start responding to who you are, it's interesting, isn't it, Lana? All the weirdos we know, like serious weirdos, they're the ones you most enjoy being around because you know they're authentic. You go, yeah, he's a bit of a loose unit or he's a bit of a weirdo, but great to be around because you feel like you're never being lied to or tricked because they're just who they are. And so you accept them even if some of the things are strange to you, but you take that any time over someone who's pretending to be what they think they should be. So for all of you out there who are growing businesses or looking at your next phase of life or setting goals or trying to work out what is the next step for me, I would take some time to really think about what have you been hiding? Who do you know you really are? And you've been putting that to the side. You've been trying to dull your superpower. The way you are, the way you think, the way you process, the way you behave, the way you want to live your life. Because if all you do is be true to who you are, your authentic self, you're going to start to really enjoy who you are. You're going to enjoy the process. And the byproduct of that is you're going to start attracting things that are going to align with that, which is going to make the journey better, your life better, and you're going to get to where you want to go a hell of a lot faster. Nigel, Lana, let's do it all again next week. See ya. Well, that's the show for this week. Thanks for listening. And of course, if you head on over to backable.ai, you can access all the downloadables we've put together. Now, if you want to stay up to date with all things Backable and Philodomo, then make sure to join our Facebook group and follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. As always, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe and leave a review. That's all from us for now. Have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.